You're listening to the Sphere Now ESG podcast on Spark, Sphere's safety, sustainability, and productivity thought leadership website. Sphere is the leading provider of ESG performance and risk management software, data, and consulting services. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Sphere Now ESG podcast, a program focused on safety, sustainability, and productivity topics. I'm Alex Studd, one of the product marketing managers here at Sphere. Today, we're joined by Heiko Schwartz, CEO of Risk Methods, a Sphere company that specializes in supply chain risk management. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, Heiko. Thanks, Alex. Glad to be here. Yes, wonderful. You know, in this episode, we're discussing Germany's Supply Chain Due Diligence Act, an upcoming law which requires companies to monitor their supply chains for unfair and damaging business practices and violations that occur at third-party logistics service providers and distribution partners. The bill also covers environmental risks that can lead to human rights violations. And while the law is German in origin, it applies to many multinational companies, regardless of where a company is headquartered, if they have a presence in Germany and have at least 3,000 German-based employees, they will have to comply with this law beginning on January 1st, 2023. And furthermore, companies with offices in Germany with more than 1,000 German-based employees will have to comply with the law beginning on January 1st, 2024. So if companies don't comply, Heiko, they face paying fines of up to 2% of their annual revenue. The lower limits of these fines can be 50,000 euros. So annual checks will be performed to verify that these companies are complying with that law. And so with that introduction and preamble out of the way, Heiko, this is what we want to talk about. I'm going to get right into our first question. Heiko, can you talk a little bit about how this law fits into the overall trend we're seeing of increased mandates for supply chain transparency and security? Absolutely. So if we approach this question from a global level, we see that over the course of the last decade, the number of ESG-related policy interventions has increased by more than a factor of 3x. So we see a massive pressure for enterprises to comply to more and more of regulations that treat human rights, working conditions, safety conditions, and environmental topics. So if we look to the European Union, uh, there have been regulations put in place in France since 2017, in Great Britain, which is the Modern Slavery Act since 2015. We have regulations in place in the Netherlands since 2019. And now the next big thing coming up is a European-wide regulation for sustainability and human rights, where the European Commission has drafted this law in February 22. And yes, it will probably take still some time until this draft passes through the machine of finally releasing this regulation. We see more and more of these coming. And it's not only a European topic, right? It's a global topic where regulations are put in place to make sure that our companies and economies act and behave in a more sustainable and in more kind of ethical, reasonable behavior. Uyghur, I hope I pronounce it right, um, act in the US is another example and that illustrates that this push and pressure is not only a European topic, but it's a global one. Yeah, it's clear to me, Heiko, this is uh, not slowing down by any means. One of the things I'm, I'm really curious about here, Heiko, is, is the concept of risk. Right, the law covers environmental risks that can lead to human rights violations, but what other risks should companies look out for in their supply chain and, and how can they mitigate them? 
from our perspective, the reputational and ethical and environmental perspective on risk is one piece of an holistic view on the exposures of supply networks. At least the same important is everything that leads to physical disruptions of the supply chain coming from a delivery disruption perspective caused by maybe political um, changing circumstances. Think about the Arabian Spring. We should look after the viability of the, the ecosystem and the suppliers and the business partners within the supply networks to make sure that they are not going bankrupt and by that the supply also gets disrupted. There's also a perspective which relates to market risks, such as currency fluctuations, which can destroy the margin overnight. Another aspect to look after are any kind of performance and quality related aspects, as we need the parts that we acquire from our suppliers in the right quantity, at the right time, in the right qualities to be built into the products that we finally or our enterprises are selling to the customers, might they be consumers or enterprises, doesn't matter. And all these different facets should be considered into a holistic perspective of assessing risk and risk exposures of a supply network. So I'm not saying one thing matters more than the other. It's more the case that all these image and compliance and human rights and sustainability environmental aspects should play the same important role when looking at risk than all the disruption related ones. So is it fair to say when you're looking at this ESG movement, there should not be one priority over the other, right? This is something that is ongoing and moving across, whether it's environmental or also you talked about child labor or inappropriate health and safety conditions. Yeah, absolutely. So let me put this that way. It doesn't matter why your company is into the news with a bad press because of breaches against child labor regulations at the supplier base or forced labor or inappropriate health and safety conditions, right? It matters that all these aspects are considered and identified and, and treated in preventive manner as good as possible to finally contribute to a better world. And therefore, I would clearly not recommend to kind of differentiate the weighting or the, the importance of all these aspects as every piece of it is, is important. So that's a clear call for an holistic approach that, that should consider all those facets. Taking a step back and looking at the requirements of the German Supply Chain Act on a high level, enterprises are now forced to establish a holistic risk management approach and methodology. It is um, required that ongoing regular risk analyses are being carried out and prevention measures have to be performed and documented mainly with suppliers, but also within the own area of influence, meaning the own businesses and subsidiaries of, of the own company. And wherever deviations from the uh, regulated standards are identified, corrective actions have to be taken, documented and reported. And this reporting has to be delivered in an annual report to the Ministry for Economics and, and Export Control, which is monitoring the compliance of the regulated enterprises to, to this uh, regulation. And these reports, in addition, have to be also published on the websites of the organizations following a kind of blame and shame principle where 
to make sure that every consumer, every customer, every enterprise customer of this company who publishes the information can see how the progress looks like by making sure that these standards for the working environment, for pay, for safety and environmental affairs are considered. And that makes a lot of sense, Heiko, and, and certainly businesses and people alike do not willingly right, want to buy products and consume goods that involve all of these, these, you know, these negative principles that violate human rights. But the law requires companies to monitor their third-party service providers and distributors for violations. So how can companies better communicate and monitor with these partners? Interesting side note here is that the regulation does not differentiate between the different nature of suppliers and business partners. First of all, that means also that irrespective of the importance or the influence of suppliers, enterprises are forced to have a look at the entire supply base and business partner base of, of, an, of a company. And there's also not a too strong of differentiation between tier one and tier n business relation, which means I have to monitor all my suppliers. I have to carry out ongoing risk analysis for all of them, meaning very clearly a manual approach is, is no longer feasible to comply with the regulation. But also to look at the lower tiers, especially once I have knowledge that in certain geography or nation where I'm sourcing is typically more exposed to human right breaches than others. Maybe for within the textile industry, Cambodia would be in region where I'm going to be forced according to the regulation to also start with mitigation and prevention once something is identified in a lower tier of my supply network. Even though I don't have any contractual agreements with those business partners, that's super interesting. Yeah? And it's super challenging for enterprises to comply here. And in terms of the collaboration that you mentioned as well, I believe that we have to make our business partners and suppliers part of the solution. They are part of the problem. And making them part of the solution means collaboration in combination with pressure is probably the right way to go and kind of trick-or-treat <laughs> approach. <laughs> well, it, it certainly that is enough as it is, but I know there's more. What are some of the other compliance challenges that companies are facing or are certainly going to face? Yeah, first of all, we see plenty of businesses that do not have manual uh, automation in place to comply with these requirements. That leads to heavy manual efforts and we also see on a second um, note that if the top management requires a business case that illustrates an ROI, it makes the implementation and the, the backing for the ones that have to comply much more difficult, right? Because you're going to invest money to avoid that something that hits the business is, is not going to happen, right? If so, means if nothing happens, uh, you, you fulfill the mission. For sure, there's the argument if it's a regulatory requirement, who cares about business case, but still compliance managers and supply chainers are very often requested to, to provide an ROI scheme and that makes it even harder. 
Aside of this, challenges are the annual reporting. It's the effort um, to do that. It's also the requirement to show progress because enterprises are forced to publish all that information to the website and keep the history um, over the course of the last seven, eight years online so everybody can track and, and see how compliant these organizations are. And um, as I said, the capacity and the, the effort for information gathering, the continuous updates and monitoring and also filtering out finally which information is relevant and could really be an indicator for a breach and non-compliance um, situation is really a big burden for, for enterprises. That's super interesting, Heiko. And I'll say this, I, I, I'm certainly no political scientist, but when I look at this law, right, and all these laws that are happening, uh, you have you have the requirement with 3,000 German-based employees in January, the following year, 1,000. I mean, this is going to ultimately affect all businesses globally. There is no sense in this slowing mm -hmm. down. So whether this is going to impact you in one year or two years or further down the road, it will impact all organizations. So I guess my question for you, Heiko, is, is can you dive into what companies need to start doing now in order to be compliant with the Supply Chain Due Diligence Act and all the other acts that are going to be taking shape over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think first of all, start implementing a practice and methodology that tackles this topic. We have seen too many enterprises hesitating and thinking about how to interpret Article 1, Article 2, Article 3, and so on. And time will show how the ministry and the authorities will interpret the regulation because it's written very vague in certain areas and that is done by purpose because these vague formulations create certain kind of uncertainty for the businesses meaning it forces you to interpret those regulations as strict as possible to avoid any kind of risk in terms of penalties or exclusions from certain markets so what to do as a next step gather risk information create transparency within the supply network, start monitoring how the current exposure in terms of the risk is changing, start to analyze how this is impacting the business and the reputation and the compliance, and then start kicking off mitigation actions, either in a preventive manner, once you identify that the exposure is there in an inherent manner, but nothing has happened so far, or take action if risk has already materialized to document that um, you started with uh, approaching the business partners and driving uh, better compliance moving forward. So these are five very, very concrete steps that business should take and um, set up and, and getting prepared for the upcoming challenges. You know, Heiko, I'm not asking you to predict the future, but you know, we're, we're running out of time. January 1 is around the corner. Do you anticipate or see a lot of companies that are actually going to get fined on this for violating this and not getting all their, their books in order between now and January 1st? I think we will see those cases. Um, I think the, the public audience, but also the entrepreneurs are uh, really curious in, in which kind of, of degree of severity the fines uh, will be materializing, but clearly looking at our businesses here in, in, in the 
Central European region, I still see a huge gap of capabilities that are required versus what is already in place today. And that can only follow to or lead to one conclusion. There will be non-compliance in regards of these regulations. Fair enough. Heiko, any final thoughts before we wrap up? We should look at those requirements and obligations and turn them also into an opportunity for the businesses. Yes, it's imposed by regulators. And yes, you have to spend time and money and resources to comply. But in addition, there are huge upsides if it's done in an excellent and, and mature manner to contribute not only to a better world and ethical behavior within the supply networks, but it's also, it should be our intention to, to protect the reputation of the business and to make sure that we really contribute to a sustainable economy where human rights play an important role. And as we already touched before, this shouldn't go without looking at all the exposures that put the supply chains at risk from a disruption perspective. I mean, the media have been crowded with supply disruption scenarios latest since COVID broke out. The cars that consumers ordered were delivered late. Potatoes were rotten in containers and McDonald's couldn't sell French fries anymore. The electronic devices for the, the whatever PlayStations that children wanted to have under the Christmas tree at Christmas were delivered in June, um, six months later. So all these facets um, can be considered when implementing an, a holistic supply chain risk management methodology to avoid revenue shortfalls for the business, to protect the margins, to make sure the customers are happy and we deliver in time, in quantity, in quality. So there's huge upside that is a big reward if we approach this topic the right way. Wonderful. Heiko, I know there's a lot of moving parts in this. We're excited to keep continuing the conversation as, as this law goes into effect and as this continues to progress with this law and, of course, other laws that are taking place around the world that will affect all global supply chains. So, Heiko, thank you so much for your insights on this, and thank you for joining us on the Sphere Now ESG podcast. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it to be here. Thank you for listening to the Sphere Now ESG podcast on Spark. We hope you enjoyed the show. Want more safety, sustainability, and productivity-related blogs and podcasts? Subscribe to Spark today. Visit sphere.com backslash spark and let's spark a conversation.